Okay, let's just skip the pleasantries. Let's just skip the pleasantries for this episode. There is a topic I really, really want to get into that I still can't quite wrap my head around, but I'm loving every single moment of it, and it's just completely taken over the wrestling world as of late. Blue Kane. That's gotta be... That's gotta be Kane! There is an independent wrestler out there right now. I don't actually know who, if someone would like to enlighten me. Who is literally dressing up as Attitude Era Kane, except they've replaced the red on his attire with blue, has given himself the basic but, you know, self-explanatory name of Blue Kane, and everyone is digging it. Wrestling is so weird. Wrestling is so bloody weird. Now, I've been watching it long enough that that gets lost on me sometimes. I think when you're a wrestling fan for, you know, a certain period of time, the whole kind of weirdness, strangeness to it, it just kind of goes over your head because you're so used to it. And I think like the fact that I've been involved in the Irish scene the last three years, like there's so many things that I've been able to experience firsthand that like you just don't question it. Like there's certain things as a wrestling fan you just don't question. But somehow this character has just really made me take a step back and go, we, we love a really weird thing. Like Kane, who is one of the most iconic characters of all time. Someone is cosplaying as him. All they've done is change the color of the costume. Instead of summoning flames, he summons what I think is snow. From an entrance I just saw there on my phone. How? Like... How? How is this a thing? <laughs> like, but like, I'm asking that, but yet I think it's great. But I, like, it's not something that I, I thought I would enjoy. If you told me this, like, you know, this idea, a concept for a character that, yeah, we're just going to be Kane, except that we're going to be blue. Like, I would have said that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You might be able to do it for a one-off, you know, kind of comedy show. But, like, it's not going to last much longer than that. And I've seen this thing for at least a few weeks now. So it's got a bit of a... You know, it's got a bit of a long lifespan. Like, if, nowadays a few weeks is long when it comes to things becoming viral, for lack of a better term. But yeah, like, I mean, fair fucks to the guy who's portraying it. I, just, I actually don't know who, like, normally I would, by now, as I nearly bring back up my dinner, normally by now I would know who's behind this character. I still don't know. And there's probably ways of finding out, but you know what, I kind of like not knowing. Now, if someone wants to enlighten me, feel free, but part of me kind of likes not knowing who it is. And you know what? Bring him over to RCW. That's what I say. I want to referee a blue cane match in an RCW ring. Billy Bedlam, please try and make that happen. But with all that said, welcome everybody to the show. I'm sorry, I had to change it up. You know, the, the, the intro, the normal intro that I give, the, uh, I can't even remember what it is now. What even is it? Oh my god, I've forgotten my own intro. Oh yeah, it's welcome everybody, welcome back everybody to Straight Outta Klein 2.0 with me, your host of course, Joseph Dylan Tarth. Yeah, listen, you know, sometimes you gotta change it up. I remember actually, when I did the first Straight Outta Klein, I actually stopped that intro for a bit, because yeah, because that intro started with uh, Joe Tarth Rising, didn't it? There was a period uh, recently where I did consider bringing that show back, Joe Tarth Rising. Uh, that was a really, really f interesting time. It was the first podcast I ever did. Um, we did some great interviews over on, like, that was kind of the lasting thing about Joe Tar Rising for me was some of the interviews we did. Like, we did um, Raven Creed, that was a really fun one. Billy Bedlam, that was a great one. Uh, Matt Schuyler was a lot of fun. 
Uh, Reardon O'Connor, which ended up being the last one. That was great. And obviously, you know, Joe Tarr Rising led to Celtic Codec, which was another just absolutely brilliant experience. Something that, like, me, Park, and Alex are determined to bring back one day. But it just became... Celtic Codec became something that we all loved, but nobody had the time to do it. And, like, there was a few solo episodes I actually did record of Celtic Codec that was... um. You know, that, that were actually quite good. But I do remember talking to Porg and Alex about it and saying that, you know, like, this is a three-man show. And I feel like if we're just doing individual episodes all the time, like, as in, well, if I'm just doing individual episodes all the time, then, like, what's the point? So the way I describe that show is that it's not dead. It's just sleeping. It's laying dormant for a bit. But, yeah, that was a, that was such an interesting time. But, yeah, like, I did actually consider bringing back Joe Tarr Rising. I thought that, you know, being heavily involved in the Irish wrestling scene again with the Cork wrestling scene I should say and hopefully you know the wider Irish wrestling scene um, you know in the near future you know watch the space with that I, I, I did consider it and I thought it could be quite fun but the thing is with Straight Outta Klein like I love wrestling I absolutely adore wrestling but with Joe Tarn Rising it was a little bit hard to kind of expand out from wrestling and like I remember towards the end I was doing episodes that were you know they were still talking about all things wrestling and you know, the, the, the news um, in the business at that point. But I felt like it was very wrestling-centric. And people would think, like, that's something that, like, you know, that I would have absolutely, like, loved doing. And I did love doing it, but I got to a point where I was like, there's some other things I would like to talk about as well. Um, you know, that was uh, th- that was kind of the point I was at with the show towards the end. And then, obviously, Straight Outta Clawing came, you know, a few months later. And I think this show has been a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways, because I still get to talk about wrestling, but I get to talk about literally anything else as well. Like, it's it's funny, like, my favourite podcast that I listen to, and I think I've referenced it a few times on here, is the Believe You Me podcast with Michael Bisping and Anthony Smith. And they do segments on that show where they do non-MMA stories. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, Michael Bisping, former UFC middleweight champion, Anthony Smith, a current ranked light heavyweight in the UFC, uh, been around for a long, long time as well. Uh, used to be, he used to do it with a a comedian, uh, Louis J. Gomez. I actually forgot his name there for a second. He used to be Bisping and Louis J. Gomez, but then uh, he left and Anthony Smith eventually came along. Uh, I think it was yeah early 2022 when Anthony Smith joined the podcast and... I never thought I'd say this, but it's been so much better since Luis J. Gomez left. And I like Luis J. Gomez, but whatever. But he's one of those people as well, Luis J. Gomez. Like, he's quite funny. I've seen some of his stand-up comedy. But he's one of these people who loves to shit on pro wrestling. But he's definitely... He shits on it so much that I feel like he actually likes it more than he's letting on. Like, you know, there's some people where it's like... You know, it's almost like... I I remember I had a friend in school. I'm not going to mention his name. But I had a friend in school who was... Like, a lot of people would have considered him homophobic. But he was almost homophobic to a point where I questioned, I think he might be gay. And I think he's trying to, like, deny it himself. Now, I could be wrong about that, but it was just, like... I can't remember being like, surely you can't be, like, that homophobic that, like, that you hate them that much. So, you know, I might be wrong, but a few of us kind of had a theory that, you know, I think... Bob, Bob is not his real name, but let's just call him Bob for the sake of this show. Feeling Bob might be gay. And like, listen, if he is, like, you know, good luck to him. And, you know, I hope that uh, he, if he, if he is, that he can come to terms with it. He might have, I haven't spoke to him for a while. But uh, yeah, it was just like, Luis J. Gomez, 
was is one of these people. I've met a lot of people like this who they shit on wrestling so much that it makes me kind of think that they like wrestling more than they're letting on. They're just I think they're like trying to deny them deny it to themselves that you know that they that they like it. But anyways, the point I was going to make there after getting lost in a bit of a tangent is yeah, Joe Turtle Rising. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Um and I wouldn't rule out bringing that show back but you know I, I do kind of think like is there any point when it comes to you know I'm doing straight out of Clone 2.0 like this show has built up you know a bit of an audience I've, I've got a few regular listeners who uh, who enjoy the show and I think that you know that's another thing is I can reach a wider range of people with this show as well like it's not just wrestling fans you can be a wrestling fan and you can be you know someone who has never watched the the business in, in, in your entire life. And I feel like you can get something out of this show. Um, well, at least I hope so anyway. Like, that's the, that's the uh, the plan with it. And um, I think that's why I kind of prefer doing this, you know? Like, I think if you told me years ago that... If someone said to me, look, you can either do a show that's exclusively about wrestling. Or you can do... Excuse me. You can do a show that is... Bloody hell. God. Very gassy over here. Let me start that again. You could do a show that's just about wrestling. Not editing that out. Or you can do a show that you talk about wrestling in, but you talk about a lot of other things. I would have been like, yeah, just give me the wrestling show. Like, that's all I'd want. But I think that the older you get and the more you experience, it's like, yeah, look, I'd like to talk about a lot of different things, you know? Uh, but I, I get you get that with, like, a lot of, um, you know, wrestlers who have podcasts, like Chris Jericho. Like, obviously, he talks a lot about wrestling on Talk is Jericho. I haven't listened to Talk is Jericho for a long time, to be honest with you. But I do know from when I, when I did listen to it that, like, yeah, he talks about wrestling, but he talks about lots of other stuff. Like, I remember him getting, like, you know, um, people who did, like, oh, why can't I think of what they're bloody called? People who go to, like, haunted houses and stuff. Why can't I remember the name of the fucking word? You know what I'm on about. Like, he'd bring those people on. The, the word will come back to me eventually. He'd bring on people, obviously, from the music industry, because obviously he has a band. He'd bring on actors. Like, he'd bring on comedians, like, lots of different people from different backgrounds and industries and like that is the long-term plan with this show like i would have thought that i would have had a few interviews on here at this stage like in 2023 it just hasn't really happened that's been down to a mixture of a lot of things um i did have an interview on here late last year which was just a fucking train wreck i've actually since taken down the episode because it was just like, I won't get I won't get into it too much now. Like, down the line, I'll probably talk about this a little bit more. But there was an interview I did on here that was just... It was so bad. And there was so many things happening in the background before we even started recording that... Like, it was just an absolute train wreck. But I got to a stage where I was like, look, I promised the interview was going to happen. Like, you know, I, like, I, I need to keep... like, And that's why I kept it up for so long was I was like, oh, look, there's episodes of me talking about the interview like when it was coming up like I was building up to it and then the interview happened and it was just such a letdown you know and it was like the one thing I will say is if you are ever on a podcast as a guest you think like the one thing you would do afterwards is share it you would share the episode to tell your audience or your friends or your family or whatever hey look I was on this podcast like go check it out yeah, the guy who I had on here who I did the interview with not once did he share it and I told him that afterwards that I was really annoyed you know, because, like, this is, like, this is supposed to be fun. Like, this podcast is all about having fun. But 
obviously, I would like the listenership to grow. And I thought, like, getting a guest on who had a different audience from me and quite a decent audience as well, him coming on this podcast and then sharing the episode afterwards, that could introduce a lot of new people to the show. And then he didn't fucking share it once. And I was. I was really pissed off afterwards. I was actually quite pissed off. Now, having said that, the interview itself wasn't amazing. And some people might think that that's why he didn't share it. No, he just was a bit of a dickhead, to be honest. And he think I think he's just one of these people who... There's a certain type of entertainer in this country that I might have referenced quite recently. There are certain types of entertainers who think their opinion and their views mean more. Because, like, this guy begged me to come on the show. Like, I'm pretty much giving away all the information now. But he was begging me to come on the show for ages. And we actually had it planned for a date a few months earlier. But then I had to change it just because I had too many things on. I'd actually just gone back refereeing. And my work schedule at the time just wouldn't have allowed it to happen. So I had to, like, push it back. And we ended up doing it, you know, a few months later. But he begged me to come on the show. And then... Eventually, when we got the time to do it, he acted like he was too good for us. And I may as well just say he was a musician, because some of you probably did listen to the show. And it was just like, I was looking at the numbers, actually, of, of the episode yesterday, and I was just like, before I took it down. And I was just like, like, that episode could have been so much better, and it should have been a lot more, it should have done a lot better than it did. Like, there was 12 episodes I did on my own. I did, sorry, 11 of them on my own, and one with Alex. That did better than that episode with someone who has 80,000 followers on uh, Instagram and TikTok. Like, that kind of says it all. That's not me bigging up myself. That's me saying that, like, that guy didn't help out as much as he could have. But anyways, whatever. Hopefully the next interview we get on here, whenever that may be, um, will be a lot better. Because I don't really count Alex coming on here as an interview. Because Alex is essentially the honorary co-host at this stage. But uh, yeah, hopefully Alex can be on here again soon. Because those episodes do always tend to be quite fun. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to start out a few more interviews and like, not just for people in wrestling, like I'd like to bring people on from all different walks of life. That would be, that would be quite cool. But, uh, maybe we can start with the wrestling. That would be quite interesting. Speaking of interesting, something else I wanted to talk about on here was, uh, that interview that Deli Alley did in the week with Gary Neville on the overlap. That was such a fascinating interview, you know? Uh, like Deli Alley is someone who... Like, listen, I'm not going to lie. I've never been a huge fan of him. Like, to be completely honest, I always thought he was a little bit overrated. Like, even when everyone was, like, raving about him, I, like, just didn't get it. But, listen, to make it in the Premier League and to play for a team like Tottenham, who at that stage, when he was there for the few years he was there, Tottenham were actually doing quite well. Like, as well as you can do without winning a trophy. That's not a jab at Tottenham fans. That's just a fact. They didn't win a trophy, but obviously they got to a Champions League final. They were consistently in the Champions League. They played some decent football. And they had a very likeable team, I think, unless you were, like, an Arsenal fan, or maybe a Chelsea fan, it was kind of hard not to like the team that Tottenham had, but, you know, he was one of the, uh, the young prospects of this team, like, I remember Jose Mourinho saying in the documentary, there's that famous line in that All or Nothing documentary that, uh, on Tottenham back in 2020, where Mourinho said that when he was at United, the only advice Sir Alex Ferguson gave him was sign Deli Alley. Like, that was it. Like, that was the only player he ever recommended him to sign. And then I remember Sir Alex doing an interview with Gary Neville, I think, on Sport Bible, uh, I think just before Cristiano Ronaldo came back to the club. You know, I remember him saying that, like, he thought Deli Alli was going to be a world-class player, and he was like, I'm not too sure what happened. And then Deli Alli obviously does this interview with Gary Neville, and it just really goes to show that, like, these are human beings at the end of the day. Like... 
listen, footballers, especially Premier League footballers, are paid a lot of money. Like, there's no denying that. But I don't get this mindset people have when it comes to people who are wealthy, who think that, oh, you make X amount of money, who are you to talk about, you know, world issues or, you know, feeling sad or whatever. Like, money does, I'm not going to say money doesn't solve anything, but it doesn't solve everything. Like, having a lot of money doesn't equal happiness, you know? Like, even like, on, let's say on a much lower scale, like my previous employer was some, was it was an employer who I was able to make decent money from. You know what I mean? Like, it was... I wasn't, like, making, you know, six or seven figures, but I was making decent money for Irish standards, we'll say. But I got to a stage where I was just like, this, like, the money's not even worth it anymore. And I think a lot of people have gone through that. Where it's like, you could be, you know, in a job making decent money, but, like, it's not worth your, your mental health, you know? And that's why I kind of sympathise with a lot of footballers who might go through tough times, or any wealthy person who goes through a tough time. Because all you're going to get thrown at you is, but you make all this money, like, what problems do you have? Money can bring problems as well, you know, especially if you don't spend it wisely. Now, that wasn't necessarily Deli Ali's issue, but, you know, obviously opening up about some of the childhood trauma he had and talking about, like, the, you know, when he got dropped from the Tottenham team, like, that kind of, the, the, the self-confidence issues that, that he had. Like, I, I was thinking about it there because I'm recording this not too long after... Uh, Fabrizio Romano has just confirmed that Andre Onana will be leaving Inter Milan and joining Manchester United. And, like, David De Gea has just left Manchester United after 12 years, right? And, like, there's a couple of points I want to cover here, but David De Gea was the best goalkeeper in the world for a good chunk of his time at Manchester United. In the last couple of years, you know, he he did drop off a bit. He wasn't as consistent as he'd been previously. And... The way some people talked about De Gea, United fans talked about De Gea after this. Like, you'd swear he was the worst player to ever pull on the jersey. And it just kind of just, it just kind of goes to show how fickle some fans can be. And now we have Andre Onana coming in, who obviously, listen, is going to be making a ton of money, being Manchester United's new number one goalkeeper. But, like, despite, like, making all that money, if he doesn't hit the ground running and has a few dodgy performances at the start, which could happen... Like, he's going to have a load of abuse hurled his way. And it's like, okay, you can make all this money, but it doesn't mean that the abuse you get... It doesn't mean you get immune to, to the abuse anymore. You know what I mean? And, like, that kind of goes back to what I was just saying there about De Gea. Like, he was obviously on a very decent wage at United, but I can imagine, like, some of the stuff that was being said about him must have been hurtful, especially when he'd been such a great servant for the club. Like, I can't imagine being in that position. You know? And that's what was so revealing about Deli Ali's interview was just that, like, it was just a reminder that footballers are human beings. Now, the majority of people afterwards were able to see it how I'm seeing it and talking about it the way I'm talking about it right now. But then you got other people saying, oh, this is just a publicity stunt and he's only doing this because he wants to save his career and this will get him a move to a new club if, you know, if Everton decide they don't want him anymore. And it's like, but like you know, you're the problem. Like, this is a very revealing interview about how much a footballer can struggle. And, like, you know, Deli Alley, like, some of the stories he told about growing up are just, you know, horrifying. Like, you know, he, he opened up about, like, being molested, I think, when he was, like, six years old by one of his mother's friends. Like, that's just, like, that's just the worst thing imaginable, you know? Like, that's your innocence 
that childhood innocence is gone after that. Like, you know, he talked about, you know, taking up smoking, I think at like seven years old. And, you know, he was selling drugs as a teenager. And like the fact that he was able to go on and have the career he had during that time period, he was at Tottenham. Like, fair fucks to him, like, because he could have gone down a very different direction. And obviously in recent years, you know, things have kind of fallen apart from him uh, for him. And he was talking about, you know, the sleeping tablets that he developed a bit of an addiction to to those pills. And, you know, in the wrestling world, I think we've heard a lot about people over the years who struggled with, like, pain pills. And, you know, I, I remember Chavo Guerrero actually saying it uh, in a, on Talk is Jericho, funnily enough, about, um, you know, when Eddie Guerrero died, that, like, you know, people want to talk about steroids and how damaging they were to a lot of wrestlers. And he said, you know, to be honest with you, he said the pills were probably more of a problem than steroids were. Like, I'm not saying steroids aren't a problem, but when it came to, like, people's health and, you know, and lives, it was the pills, I think, cost a lot more than, than steroids ever did. And, you know, that's that was what was quite interesting about Deli Ali talking about, like, the sleeping tablets. And, you know, he was saying, like, sometimes you will need them, like, especially if it's the day before a big game and, like, the clubs can provide them to you to help you sleep. Like, obviously... They'd only provide them in small doses, like not huge ones. But then he said something that was quite interesting. And I think anyone who struggled with addiction could probably relate to this is when it came to like getting these sleeping tablets, when he was developing, you know, kind of um, when he was relying on them, essentially, he was like, you know, you, you'll find a way of getting them. Like if you can't get them the easy way, you'll, you'll find you'll find another way of accessing these things. Uh, and, like, all I have to say right now is just, like, fair fucks to him for being so open about it, you know? And, like, a lot of people, I think, could have waited maybe till their careers were over. And, like, he talked about, I think, at, like, 24, 25 years old, saying that, you know, he was ready to retire because things weren't going well for him. And it's like, you know, like, a lot of players wouldn't have spoke about this until after their career was over. So I think fair play to him for opening up about his issues whilst he's still under contract at a club. Some people might want to look at it as, oh, he's only saying it because he, uh, you know, because he wants to save his career. Well, like, may- like, listen, maybe that's part of it, but I still don't think that means he's wrong to do it. And, like, opening up about these issues, like, you know, he said, it like, if this can help one person, then that's enough for him. And hopefully that helps a lot of people who might be in the same position, whether they're professional footballers or just, you know, regular people, you know, working regular jobs, living from at least the outside looking in, regular lives. Like, that that's the main thing. Like that's that's the main takeaway people should kind of get from it. Like, not focus on the money he's making and the money he's made throughout his career. Like, as I said, like, you know, we see with, with people all the time, you know, who, who play for, especially young athletes who play for these sports teams, like, it can make or break you. You know, like, obviously, another thing that's come out recently as well is, you know, Mason Greenwood has had a baby with the the woman who he had, you know, the, the issues with. You know, I'm trying to be a bit politically correct about it. You know, like, that's obviously something that uh, a lot of people are quite confused about and a lot of people who are unhappy. Like, you know, some people have asked me privately, like, what do I think about Mason Greenwood? Look, I'll be honest. I would rather not see him play for United again. I really wouldn't. Like, look... All I'll say is we heard the voice notes. Like, we heard the audio from, you know, last year when it came to him and that girl. That's all I can... That's all I'm really willing to say right now. And, well, I suppose there's actually something else I'm willing to say as well is that, you know, the the charges were dropped because key witnesses pulled out. Like, that was one of the main reasons that was given. It wasn't because it was like, oh, they they 
they proved that you know someone was lying or that there was you know th- that there was this or that like they said that key witnesses pulled out and that was kind of the main reason that everything was dropped so for me like I know I don't want to see him play for United again I don't I don't really want to see him play in the Premier League again and that's not because I'm like oh if he goes to a rival team that you know it'll, it'll improve them like no it's, it's not there's no, no, nothing to do with football it's things that are a lot more important than football you know, like another obviously thing coming out as well as uh, what's his name Benjamin Mendy, the the Man City left back. He was obviously found not guilty of a uh, sexual assault, and there was multiple cases of it as well that were uh, being brought against him. And there's been a little bit of backlash here because a lot of his you know teammates from France, or you know, I think just you know, I think even Memphis Depay, who isn't even a teammate of Benjamin Mendy, it's just you know they're just both fellow professionals. Like, he's come out defending him and whatnot. Like, that that one's a little bit more complicated. Like, I don't know as much about that case as the Mason Greenwood case. But, it's listen, it's it's it's, it's a very touchy subject for a lot of people, and understandably so. You know, like, I can't, I can't go into too much detail here, but I do know someone who has experienced, you know, what these men were accused of. Um, They had it happen to them. Like, they weren't... Ac- I feel like I'm wearing this really badly. They weren't accused of it. They suffered from what the men were being accused of. I, I think people get what I mean. And uh, like I have seen the effect it can have on people. So I understand why there's so much emotion when it comes to these cases. And there's so much... Like, even when people are found not guilty for whatever reason, a lot of people find it very hard to believe the not guilty verdict. And because I've seen people who have been affected by that first hand like I maybe not first hand but you get what I mean I'm over explaining this <laughs> you know I'm trying like I, I normally I just come, I, I come straight out with what I want to, like what I need to say but when it comes to things like this like sexual assault and the word I've been like avo- trying to avoid using rape like that's you know it's as I say I, I get why it's such a tough thing for people to talk about in general, like, never mind if you've, like, you know, even if people haven't been affected by it, like, it's just a horrible thing to talk about anyway. But, like, especially those who have been affected by it, like, I, I get why, even with the not guilty verdicts, there's so much kind of emotion involved in it. Um, So, yeah, like, it, it will be interesting to see what the development is with these two players. Like, do they play for their teams again? Like, do they, you know, do they play for anybody again? Like, you know, I think Benjamin Mendy is... 28 as far as I can remember I'm sure he's around 28 I mean Mason Green was younger than me he's about I think he's 21 22 you know like obviously like the thing is there will be clubs out there there will be clubs out there willing to take these men on like you know they'll they'll be very willing to bring them into their club it's just about you know I think it's kind of if I don't even think it's sorry I think it's when not if you know um so we'll see how things develop there. I'm really sorry. I started talking about Blue Cane to begin this podcast, and now I'm talking about something a lot more serious. Let's talk about something quite interesting and kind of somewhat comical. There's two different things, actually, to talk about. So, uh, last week I did uh, the first ever watch-along on this podcast for RCW's last show, Hooked on a Feeling. Uh, thank you to everyone, actually, who uh, listened to it. Like, the, the, the episode did surprisingly well. I was a bit worried about, like, how that's... Because it was a 
completely different new format for me. But people actually did watch the show and listen to the podcast whilst they watched it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to doing that again. I do have a special one planned in September for uh, for uh, the anniversary of my first ref- uh, show that I ever refereed. So that should be interesting. Uh, unlock stock and two meters apart. Really looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I really appreciated the feedback and glad that people um, that people actually enjoyed it. That that was great to hear. But at the start of that episode, I I definitely jinxed myself here. I started talking about something that I had never actually thought about until I saw it myself, and that is the star rating system on Spotify. I think it might be on Apple Music as well, but I know it uh, from Spotify. And before, <coughs> excuse me, before I started recording the show, I noticed oh a few people have actually rated the show five stars. Like that's that's really great. Like that's I forgot that was even a thing. Someone has since rated the show one star. And this is before I had put up the episode saying to people, oh, like, if you if you enjoy the show, please feel free to give it a rating. And one motherfucker has given it one star. Now, this is either one of two people. It's either, one, someone who I know who is not exactly my biggest fan. That could be a multitude of many different people. Or two, and I don't know if this one hurts more or less... It's some random person who stumbled across the podcast and went, fuck this shit, and gave it the lowest rating possible. But I was like, that is so typical. I'd never, ever ask for people to rate this show, ever. And the one time I do, someone gives it the lowest rating possible. It's probably Dave Meltzer, the fucking bastard, after I gave out about his star rating system, whenever that was. But, uh, yeah, like, that really, really annoyed me. And then, this was something that, like... I don't actually... Like, I have never had any interactions with this person whatsoever. So, again, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll probably be familiar with the name Kevin Sullivan. He was a a wrestler who actually probably is most famous for being the ex-husband of Nancy Benoit, who obviously would go on to marry Chris Benoit, and, yeah, everyone knows what happened after that. But um, he obviously, you know, former wrestler for WCW, uh... You know, I think he was recently on Dark Side of the Ring as well. Like, he... You know, he's been around a very long time. He followed me on Instagram years ago. I think, like, two or three years ago. Maybe even longer. I think the the account I have now I've had since, I want to say, 2019. I had one before that that I deleted. That was, like, a couple of years before. And then I came back onto Instagram. And he was, like, one of my first followers. And he started a podcast back in 2019, right? And I actually listened to a few episodes. I thought it was quite good. Someone put up a post about uh, the fact that, it's, that it was the anniversary of them starting the podcast. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, I might actually shoot into Kevin Sullivan's podcast again. It's but It's been a while. So I clicked on his account. Kevin Sullivan blocked me on Instagram. Former WCW and... Uh, I forgot, for some reason I can't remember anywhere else he wrestled. What an irrelevant career you've had, Kevin Sullivan. But former WCW and, uh, I feel like he might have been in the NWA as well, uh, wrestler Kevin Sullivan, blocked me on Instagram. Now, we did follow each other on Instagram, but I had never, ever interacted with him. Like, someone else who follows me on Instagram, uh, it's actually pretty cool, is Charlie Haas, who would have been part of Team Angle. Like, he still follows me. And touch wood, you know, he'll stay following me, because I really like Charlie Haas, former amateur wrestler as well. Um... You know, I remember I remember loving Team Angle growing up, so that was really cool when he started following me. But Kevin Sullivan, who followed me for like three years, or two or three years, whatever it was, out of nowhere just blocks me on Instagram. 
And then it just get, like it gets me thinking. Like, was it something I posted? Like, was it like? Listen, I like to put I like to put the odd wrestling meme on my story from time to time, and some people in the business get quite offended over stuff like that. And they say, oh, you're being a mark or you're being a fucking, you know, whatever. It's a bit of fun, lads. Like, get over yourself. Like, that's the only thing. Like, it's not really anybody on the Irish scene, but I've I've experienced it from time to time where people say, oh, like, you know, you're like, oh, like, you're like, stop being such a mark. Like, oh, like, I'll act professional. It's like, lads, at the end of the day, wrestling is fun. You know, like, obviously, listen, we're all passionate about it. We, we take it seriously, sometimes more seriously than we probably need to. But more than anything, wrestling should be fun. Like, if wrestling's not fun, what's the point? Like, that's kind of the same with anything. You know, like, if something isn't fun, what's the point of even watching it or being involved in it or whatever? Like, there's just, there's no point to it if you're not enjoying it. And, like, you know, for example, like, on my story right now, well, it will probably will have expired by the time, uh, by the time this episode goes live. But let me just uh, have a look. I think I put it up. So I'm recording this Sunday night. I think I put this up uh, in the morning. Just give me a second. Yeah, so it's it's a picture of uh, Burton Ernie. <laughs> but it's Shawn Michaels turning on Marty Jannetty. <laughs> but, like, it's just, like, stuff like that's really funny. But, like, people get, like, proper offended over, you know, people involved in wrestling posting stuff like that. And it's like, look, guys... At the end of the day, I'm an independent wrestling referee. I solely referee for one promotion right now. Would love to referee for more promotions in the future. But, like, I'm not someone like LJ Cleary, for example, who is, let's be honest, he's bound for superstardom over in the States. Like, WWE, AEW, like, you know, whichever one it may be. I, I you know, I know he's a big WWE fan, and I that's personally where I'd like to see him go just because it's my favourite promotion and it's the biggest one. But, like, whatever he goes on to do, like, good luck to him and fair play. But, like, that's, like, his plan like that's his uh goal in in life is to be in wwe like for me like when i was younger like that was a dream or whatever and listen if they rang me tomorrow and asked me to referee for them i'd be on the first flight over there but like i i, I kind of realized a few years ago or sorry a few months ago that look i enjoy doing this and being a part of something like rcw or just you know being involved in the, the monster wrestling scene and the irish wrestling scene like, that's much more than I ever expected to ever do in my life. Like, it really is. And I love every single minute of it. And, like, my approach is, come what may. Like, that that's that's the, the saying we have here in Cloyne. It's the slogan of the, the GA team is, like, come what may. That is my kind of motto in life, you know? Never a dull moment is the, is the slogan of Cloyne United over on YouTube. Give my channel a subscribe, watch the live streams. No, but in all seriousness, like, that's the attitude I take to life is, like, come what may. Like... Whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, I think the, another saying is like, you know, what's meant for you, like, won't pass you by. That's the, the the approach I take in life. Like, as long as I'm happy and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I, I don't really mind what it is. You know what I mean? Within reason, obviously. <laughs> um, but, like, some people get, like, proper annoyed if you, like, post things about wrestling. Or, like, sometimes I just like to post things as a fan. Like, if, you know, like, if, if something, like, you know, really interesting happens on Raw or SmackDown or, or at a pay-per-view... I might, like, post something on my story about it. And, you know, because I'm a wrestling fan at the end of the day. Like, above anything else, like, even above being a referee, I am a wrestling fan. Like, anybody who knows me knows that I never shut up about it. I could bring, you could probably, you could bring a conversation. Sorry, you could start a conversation about the 1916 Rising, and I will find a way to bring it back to wrestling. Probably by saying that, oh, Finn Balor's finishing move is actually called 1916. It used to be called Bloody Sunday uh, when he was in New Japan. But, like, 
that's just who I am. And unfortunately, sometimes that will rub people the wrong way. But I think that, you know, the ones who the ones who share the same mentality as me will understand like where I'm coming from. But like for me, it's just I don't think you see it in a lot of other sports or forms of entertainment. Like if 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 someone who's, you know, maybe an aspiring mixed martial artist shares a post from the UFC, like you don't see other fighters going, What a mark, you know? Or if someone who's, you know, a jiu-jitsu practitioner or a kickboxer or whatever, like they can share things and nobody really bats an eyelid. But in wrestling, there's kind of this weird mentality of like, you see, and, and I think what wrestling as well, I, I remember kind of coming to this realization when I was, when I wasn't refereeing, and I was kind of thinking about it. I think what wrestling, look, anybody who's a wrestling fan of a certain age, like we've all had the, the piss taken out of us for liking wrestling. Like we just have. And I think sometimes when people like are so committed and so dedicated to maybe, you know, becoming a huge wrestling star and wanting to go to WWE or, you know, to Japan or AEW or whatever it might be. Maybe that's why they take it a bit more to heart when you post these things because it's like, no, like, I take this seriously. Like, this isn't a joke to me. And it's like, okay, like, fair. But, like, I'm someone who's gotten probably more abuse than other people have for being a wrestling fan considering that I just don't know when to stop talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like... I, I don't know. I just think it's something that needs to change. You know, I, I, I do think it's something that needs to be, uh, that people just need to take a bit more of a relaxed approach about it. Like, at the end of the day, we like watching, you know, grown men and women dressed in spandex pretend to fight each other. And it's great, and it's literally my favourite thing in life, but we have to realise that, you know, there's no point in taking it that seriously to the point where you can't post, like, memes about it and stuff, because then it's like, well, you're just going to live a miserable life, and it's not going to be enjoyable. And it's like, you know, what's the point then? What is the actual point in doing something if there's no fun to it? So, yeah, rant over when it comes to that. Uh, to be honest with you lads, that's probably where I'm going to wrap up the episode because I'm just going to start going down these incredible tangents that probably won't end. And I feel like this is the longest I've recorded for a while, not counting the watch along, when it comes to just like a standalone episode. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this is actually the first time I've committed to the Monday-Friday schedule that I said I was going to uh, try and do more a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so that's... Uh, Good that I'm finally able to do that. But uh, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Please feel free to give this show a rating more than fucking one star. And don't be the dickhead who gives it two stars. You know, come on, be kind, be kind. Uh, but no, in all seriousness though, I do appreciate you all uh, tuning in. Yeah, as I said about the interviews, like that is something I want to get a bit more on top of uh, soon. So hopefully we can get that sorted in the near future. But for now, enjoy this classic wrestling promo. My name is Joseph Dylan Turl. This is the Straight Outta Cloyne 2.0 podcast. And I will talk to you all next time. Oh, stop. What's up, my brother? What's up, man? It's cute. Tonight's night. The very last night. You and The Rock have a shot at the NWO. We were drafted on SmackDown. They were drafted on Raw. Tonight's the very last night we have a shot to whoop their candy asses. One. Two, three. You know, brother, I want these guys just as bad as you do. But it's not just you and me tonight. We've got a partner, Kane. Now, I've been in the ring with a lot of big, scary dudes, guy. But this guy, he's scarier than all the rest. I mean, he scares the hell out of me. Do you think we can trust this guy? 
You know what, I completely know where you're coming from. You've been in the ring with a lot of scary cats. I've been in the ring with a lot of scary cats. And yeah, this cat is scary. He's big, he's scary, and hey, hey, he ain't King Kong Bundy walking around here. <laughs> Remember Bundy? Hey, hey, not Bundy. He ain't Kamala. Remember Kamala? Rubbing his belly. I got a guy, I got a guy. Hey, Kamala. But he is one big scary cat, and he is one big red ass-kicking machine. He's got no love. Oh, here he comes now. He's scary, but he ain't scared. Watch this. Yeah. Rock, ask you something. You ready to go out there and whoop some ass? You ready to go out there and whoop candy ass? Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready? Well, you bet your ass I'm ready. It doesn't matter if you're ready! <laughs> because tonight, the rock and pain team up with Hulk Hogan. And you know something, brothers? Whether it's the millions and millions of rock fans, or 20,000 Hulkamaniacs, or 20,000 screaming Canaanites. Canaanites? The question is, brothers, what you gonna do? <laughs> Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac. What you gonna do when Hulk Hogan and The Rock and the Big Red Machine run wild on you? What you gonna do? What the hell? Look at this! It's going on! I see you guys out there. That match is next! Oh my god!